Hey everybody, welcome to the show. Uh, today's show is awesome, but first, uh, first and foremost, if you are listening on an iOS device, if you can, go to the Apple Podcast uh, app and give us a review. If you like the show, give us five stars. Tell us a little bit about why you like it. Um, if you don't want to leave a big message, just leave us five stars. That really, really helps us get discovered in uh, other devices and things like that. But I have some super, super exciting news. Supergrip ATV has stepped on as the absolute top-level presenter of the show. Um, a lot of you guys know Supergrip ATV from our giveaway that we did, and uh, a lot of you guys actually know Supergrip from their product, the K9 Tire. Um, but I wanted to give a little bit more information about who Supergrip is, what they are, what they do where they got their start, all that kind of fun stuff. Um, the Super Grip Corporation was actually established in 1984, um, and that was really designed to meet a need for a high-quality tire for the industrial tire market. Super Grip builds tires using only the best raw materials available. I've been on the phone for, I mean, I think well over a month now with their team, and we've gone between everything and. Uh, soft, sticky tire compound design, uh, standard compound, the crazy miles that people are getting out of that standard compound. Um, the absolute best raw materials that you can buy, the top of the line, are all that are used in this tire. Um, with high-grade natural rubber and the best quality carbon, black, and ultra-high tensile nylon cord, Super Grip produces a lineup of tires that remain unmatched in quality. Now, just from my experience, and not only my personal experience, but also my experience in talking to the team, uh, talking to about the engineers, about the actual product itself, I can, like, in my heart of hearts, fully say that they remain unmatched in quality. I've ranged about every brand of tire, every pattern of tire, and I've been nothing but pleased to see the results that come out of the Super Grip K9 in specific. But Super Grip's uh, Super Grip ATV. Their mission is to provide products and service to their customers to improve the overall quality, performance, and value. That's a super big thing. And value of the equipment they own, manufacture, and operate. Essentially, Supergrip ATV wants to make your machine work better. Supergrip also provides personalized customer service along with the lowest operational cost and lowest downtime possible by providing tires that last longer and perform better. Um, over the course of, of just my time with Supergrip, I'm gonna do an absolute deep dive into the benefits that they have. Um, I really wanted to give you guys a big background on Supergrip. Uh, check them out on Facebook at Supergrip ATV um, and also SupergripATV.com. Like I said, they're famous for their K9 tire, but specifically, not only do they carry the K9, but they actually have an amp tire, the super light tire, the shredder, which is a super aggressive mud tire, uh, the stinger, then the diamond back. Something really cool too is the diamond back is actually what you're going to find on like a lot of mowers, ATV, UTV, golf cart, mini truck applications. The tread design is turf friendly. I always thought that was really cool. Like not only do they have the best tire in the UTV market, um, but they also do everything from mowers, ATVs, uh, motocross, GNCC stuff, uh, everything you can think of. Absolutely awesome. That's why I wanted to give Super Grip not only a huge shout out, but a huge, huge first ad for them. I'm super happy to be doing business with them. Uh, I, their tires are in super high demand right now and I really can't wait um, to see what they do with all the different compounds they're going to release and between you and me, 
they have a really cool product coming out soon that has not been talked about yet, um, that doesn't exist in the market yet. So keep your eyes peeled for that. You'll hear it here first on Racing on the Rocks. Um, not only all that information, Infinite Off-Road is actually another sponsor of the show. Infinite Off-Road has been with us since day one of the show, uh, and that's because Mike and his team, Infinite Off-Road, were actually the first people I reached out to. Uh, not only are they local to me, but they are the highest customer service of any company. Um, that I mean, they match all of my other sponsors, really. But uh, they've treated my team really well. I've been working with Infinite Off-Road since 2013. Uh, they specialize in light bars, light pods, light whips, rock lights, everything that you can name. Uh, Infinite Off-Road is your go-to place for all your lighting needs. All their lights actually come with a 25-year, you-break-it, they-fix-it warranty. Uh, and that even covers accidental damage. So everybody listening to the show, pick yourself up some Infinite Off-Road lights. They also give all listeners of the show 10% off with coupon code ROCKS at checkout, R-O-C-K-S. At checkout, we'll get you 10% off the entire website. Super good deal. Another sponsor we have is We Buy Rides. Now, We Buy Rides is the one-stop shop. Uh, I believe they're based out of West Tennessee, but they have a limitless operation scale. Um, we Buy Rides, they are a third-party uh car, lot, however you want to phrase it. Um, but what they do that's really, really, really special is they will give you the highest cash value for your car that is that they can. Uh, not only is that cash value good for just straight up cash right out the door, but they'll also give you that value towards a trade-in on their lot. Um, one thing that I've really been pitching here the last couple weeks is if if they don't have the car that you want on, your, on the lot, um, which by the way, they specialize in 4x4s, diesel, and Highline vehicles. But if they don't have the car that you want or you're particularly looking for, reach out to them on Facebook. Let them know what you're looking for. I promise you that they can find, um, they can probably find what you're looking for and get you the best price possible. And not only that, but they can also get you the absolute best trade-in value for your car. So check out my friends at WeBuyRides.com. And that's WeBuyRides.com. We space buy space rides with an S on Facebook. Last but not least, our sponsor is All Things UTV. All Things UTV is basically your one-stop shop for everything else. Um, uh, All Things UTV is also in the process of becoming a Super Grip ATV dealer. So now you have a direct point to go get your K9 tires, to get your ATV tires, um, the whole nine yards. Absolutely awesome. Comes com uh, sponsorships come complete circle. Uh, All Things UTV is probably best known for their Razor Aid tender spring upgrades. Just put a set on my car. Uh, I've got a trail set up uh, in terms of shocks and valves and all that fun stuff, and I have a race set up. The trail setup, just took it out for a spin. Um, I've only done the front so far, and man, I cannot wait to do the back. Absolutely an just tremendous 80% ride improvement, I'd say, uh, and I even gained a couple inches of lift. Uh, absolutely awesome for the setup. Super, super stoked with how that turned out. Um, All Things UTV also sent me a big order of wheels from System 3. Uh, I got a bunch of parts, limit straps from them, Everything is just such high quality. It makes me really happy that I have them on board. Not only did I get everything, and it's really high quality, but I also got everything. Uh, let's see, I placed mortar on Thursday, and it was at my house Friday afternoon. Um, super fast shipping, super high customer service. Dustin Robin and his team over there are the best to deal with. So, all things UTV, that's things with a Z on the end of it. All things UTV on Facebook and Instagram, and allthingsutv.com.
Okay, we paid the bills. So today on the show, we have Dustin Battleaxe Jones. Um, a lot of you guys probably know that name, whether it's from King of the Hammers, whether it's from the Mud Trucks, whether it's from S3 Power Sports. Um, but he is also a Can-Am sponsored driver, um, has done some really amazing stuff in terms of media with those guys. And uh, man, I just had a blast talking to him today. He's a super dude, um, really respect him. He has a very high level of integrity and character. Um, so I'm just gonna let you get right into it. Uh, without further ado, Dustin Battleaxe Jones. Get a drink and gather around. Let's talk drivers. Let's talk rigs. Let's talk skill. You've got the best of the best in the off-road racing world. Have a seat at the table with us and let's talk about racing on the rocks. I have Dustin Battleaxe Jones on the line today. Dustin, how are you, buddy? Man, I'm good. Just down here doing Louisiana things. So just stepped off of an airboat from an alligator hunt. We're fixing to start cooking some crawfish. Have a crawfish pull tonight, man. Oh my god! Make, maybe make some coonskin caps or something. You know, just <laughs> what Louisiana people do. You know? Yeah, you. So, so you embrace like the full. It's not just the aesthetic. It's the lifestyle. It's everything. I mean, it 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 truly is, and it's funny. For years, we've lived this way, and like we don't think anything about it, but it. It always cracks me up when people see the stuff we do on videos that we don't think anything about. And they're uh-huh. like, what are these dudes are out of control grabbing snakes and, you know, um, riding mud holes with alligators in them. Like for us, it was just what we did as, mm-hmm. as we were growing up. And as we've come along, I started realizing, like, hey, this is maybe kind of abnormal in comparison. And most people are not used to this. So mm-hmm. for me, I just embraced it, man. And now we just show it for what it is. We just do our thing you know? yeah yeah absolutely and uh you know a lot of people have kind of heard my story over and over again on the podcast but uh, i'm in middle tennessee all kinds of things like that whether it's snake grabbing mud puddles uh a little bit of this a little bit of that man it's uh it's a good time all the time down here um so yeah, I, I definitely definitely understand but uh we can go ahead and just kind of jump right into it now i kind of mentioned to you earlier before we started recording um I do my research on my guests, but I really don't know a whole lot about you uh, kind of as a person. Uh, tell me a little bit about yourself outside of the off-road world. Yeah, man. So born and raised in Louisiana, uh, a small town in the northwest corner of Louisiana. Um, you know, all-American family. Mom and dad been married since high school and raised on a farm. Uh you know, animals and putting up fences and grew up bush hogging, uh, a work ethic that my dad instilled into me. Mm-hmm. And so growing up, we didn't have uh, we didn't have much money, and um, and so I was able to ride four wheelers and have dirt bikes and things like that because my dad taught me how to work on things. Mm-hmm. But he did not have spare money to go buy dirt bikes and four wheelers to ride, so we would have to, you know get our allowance, cut grass, help the neighbors, help my grandpa when I could for 20 bucks here and there until we could save enough money to go buy these old raggedy, not running four-wheelers. And because of the work ethic that my dad taught us and and the mechanic and skills, we would fix those things and ride them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I guess early on starting to become business savvy, I would sell one for more than I bought it for <laughs> after I fixed it and try to buy a little better one and yeah. just progress it from there. And so... 
honestly, not many people know, but that's really how I got into power sports is way back at those times, not knowing, building these uh, four-wheelers, getting all this stuff running, just mechanically learning how to work on stuff. Yeah. Uh, and not knowing that down the road, after I got a mechanical engineering degree and graduated college, that I would run into uh, the gentleman that, that I um, had the opportunity to open this business with, which is S3 Power Sports. And I didn't know I was setting myself up for something like this, but man, looking back now, I could thank my dad every single day for that work ethic and mechanically teaching me how to work on things. So, yeah, so. I want to ask you two things real quick, though, because I feel like a lot of times, um, especially in our, I'll call it the industry of like the off-roading and things like that, um, it's not very often that you run into guys who, you know, have a have a mechanical engineering degree, um, who have these these really fine-tuned, high mathematic degrees. Do you, you know, obviously you started your own business, you're manufacturing parts, you're designing parts. I mean, did that how important was your degree in your time in college uh, to to making where you are now, to getting you where you are now? You know, I think it, uh, it certainly supplemented uh, where we are now, and it's given me a greater understanding of design of parts mm-hmm. and, you know, triangulation and strength and all of that. So I certainly picked up all of that knowledge in college as far as the technical side of it. Mm-hmm. But, man, honestly, there is no replacement for for learning in the field, mm-hmm. for working on stuff, building stuff, having stuff fail, redoing it, and and learning that away. So my grandpa was an iron worker, and before I ever made it to college, I learned about triangulation and you know how to make stuff stronger and mm-hmm. o- over-engineer things. Uh, and so, I don't, man, the college is a very important part. You know, you get a good general working knowledge of of design and things like that, but at the end of the day, man, the best thing you can do is get out there and build stuff, try things, tear stuff up, make it better. Yeah, absolutely. And and just to give you like a little bit of scope, uh, I came from a background where no one in my family worked on cars. No one in my family turned a wrench pretty much on anything. And uh, I started with a, an old '98 Jeep Wrangler and oh, yeah. basically, you know, wheeled it, broke it tore it all apart, did it all over again, and that's how I learned, and uh, actually watching uh, Jake Berkey talk about suspension, uh, the, the the mechanics, the mathematics, the angles, the geometry, all that stuff on YouTube when I was in high school, uh, I actually went to go get my mechanical engineering degree, and uh, hated I hated dealing with CAD so yeah. much that uh, I actually switched to software engineering and uh, that's what I do now. I write code for a living and uh, I always I always get some funny looks and people are like, well, what, what do you do? I'm like, well, I write, you know, Department of Justice defense code and they're like, huh, that's not what I expected. <laughs> and then, it, but, but it's always good and it, and it really, you know, I think you're exactly right and this is for anyone, you know, in college, doing all that, thinking about college, those things, uh, you're exactly right where, you know, you learn a lot of fundamental stuff in college and uh, it is really applicable and great and, and all that jazz, but there truly is absolutely nothing regardless of the field that's better than just that real world experience for sure. Absolutely, man. And one thing that I've always encouraged people, like I was fortunate enough to be brought up around a family that wrenched on stuff and mm-hmm. built motors and I was taught as an early age how to, how to fix things, but... Mm-hmm. And I truly have respect for guys like you um, 
like one of the guys on our race team, Shane Dowden, I remember, you know, the first motor he ever built calling me, asking me, like he was scared to do it. <laughs> and now he builds phenomenal race engines. Yeah. Um, my co-driver, Dustin Henderson, when he came to work for me here at S3 Power Sports, had never turned a wrench in his life. And now, you know, we, we have a flat or something, have a, a belt or something in the desert. He gets out and does all the work while I, you know, while I sit in the driver's seat waiting <laughs> for him to get back in. Yeah. He preps all the little race cars. But saying all that, I truly have a respect for guys like you that were not brought up around it, that had to research, uh, learn, teach themselves by doing it, man. And I always tell people, like, don't be scared to do it. It goes together exactly like it came apart so yes don't care to get in there and just just try it yeah absolutely and it's one of those things that you know i actually uh i got my first side by side i built jeeps and all that fun stuff and yep. i didn't get too much into them but built my first side by side in college and when you're on that college budget you don't have you don't have the extra money to be paying somebody to fix it for you so it's all about you know okay i blew my transmission uh let's just take it apart and see what's in there <laughs> you absolutely. know it's 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 just part of it but uh going on you know you you start s3 power sports you have a partner in that um when did it make this jump to where you guys are now because you guys were a parts manufacturer and you know jumped to today and you're one of the most popular off-road race teams you know power sports teams driver however you want to encapsulate all of it um you guys are just a huge presence in the entire industry what happened? It seemed like it happened all so fast. Uh, yeah, it did, man. And even it even seems that way for me, especially being in the middle of it. Like it's hard to stop and recognize. Like, man, what did it come from? Mm -hmm. And so, um, the coolest time for me that that I can say, and this is going way back when we first started building our own suspensions and manufacturing parts. And this is maybe. Two or three years after we had been in business, we were consistently going to these rides, trying to promote our parts, like getting stuff out there. Mm -hmm. And for a long time, like everybody that purchased something from us, either I knew them, I would built a relationship with them, they were a friend of a friend, and that's kind of how we got rolling. Mm -hmm. But I remember the day, I remember the vehicle that drove by me at one of the events and had our suspension on it, and the guy had no idea who I was. And oh. so, that was a moment of, like, uh, it still gives me chills to this day. That was a moment of clarity and feeling like now now the snowball has started. When this guy purchased our parts just based off quality, just based off research, and he has no idea who I am. And yeah. so, man, that was one of the happiest moments for me is that somebody had bought our parts that did not know me, did not know a friend of mine. He just bought our stuff because he uh, he wanted our parts. And so, man. That's For actually, me, it, uh, that's just awesome. That is such a such a cool feeling and, and such a, <laughs> such a cool idea. Yeah, no doubt about it. And so, a couple of other huge stepping stones. You know, we started a mud race team mm -hmm. uh, uh, several years back. Did really really well in mud racing. And then you know, Can Am asked us to race as a uh, one of their desert teams uh, really early on, right when the right when the Turbo uh, Mavericks came out, the first body style Turbo Mavericks, mm -hmm. and then. Naturally, what you know, what really, really catapulted us was when we went out and won the Mint 400, which was only our third race in the desert. No idea what we were doing, and just didn't realize at that time what we had accomplished. You mm -hmm. know, winning the, the most prestigious off-road race in the United States, and so obviously that put us on the map as a race team. And mm -hmm. uh, man, it just continued and continued. You know. Yeah, yeah. So tell me a little bit about that. You know, you guys go from. 
Well, well let me let me kind of just bring it back even more. You know, Louisiana, the terrain there, you mentioned it. I mean, it's not, if I could be mistaken. I've personally never been to Louisiana, but uh, you don't seem to have, you know, there's not necessarily desert. There's not necessarily the big hills that a lot of the southeast seems to offer. Um, you guys have sand, mud, you know, these flat, giant swamplands, basically. Um, when, you're, when you're getting started and you're building parts for that car, uh, you know, like, what is the, what is the main goal uh, when you do that, because a lot of our listeners are Ultra Four guys, uh, they're you know Southern Rock Racing, Pro Rock Racing, Hill Killing guys, Endurance Series. Uh, yep. Talk a little bit about the mud cars, because that's always been something that people seem to ask a lot of questions about. <laughs> yeah, that's funny, man. That's that's truly, truly where we built our name in the industry was building you know six inch, eight inch lifts for these for these rigs mm-hmm. to take out and just just take them as deep as you can, and so. That's where we grew up, man. That's all we knew for years. Literally, we knew nothing besides going out mud running. We had never been to the dunes. We'd never been rock crawling. We'd never been in a race. Like, we just started by mud riding. And, mm-hmm. man, with mud riding, you need ground clearance. you got to clear a big tire. Like, you got to get it widened up to get out of the road a little bit. And so, man, that's where we kicked everything off, dude, was building mm-hmm. these big, wild, lifted rigs that we would literally put you know, up to the headrest underwater, man. And, and we certainly were the extreme yeah. uh, in that industry and in some of the early ones. And so uh, it just caught people's attention because we were willing to take our rigs so deep. Um, we were building them so big. And for sure, we were willing to sacrifice our stuff just mm-hmm. to put on a show, man. And yeah. uh, that caught people's attention doing that stuff. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine so. I know I've, I've seen the rigs that you guys have built, especially I, you've built a couple here recently. Um uh-huh. And, and do they're just like totally purpose built. That's what I always kind of point to people is that these rigs aren't, you know, a, a, a dual purpose, do it all kind of car. This is right. a car built to do one thing and be the best at it. And uh, I think people, people just kind of lose sight of that. They just lose, they, you know, they, they don't really understand because it doesn't fit necessarily uh, where they are in their application. So, uh, yeah, and honestly, it's such a, such an obscure thing mm-hmm. that we do down here. It's really kind of a niche market where you can go everywhere and people are trail riding. You can go to a lot of places, East Coast, West Coast, Northeast, like mm-hmm. areas you're in, down Johnson Valley. People are rock crawling. Like It's not an uncommon thing, but it seems like it's so concentrated down here in the South that we live in our own little world when yeah. it comes to mud riding yeah. that a lot of people are like, man, what on earth are they doing? But yeah. You know, you have to understand it's it's exactly what you said. We we're building purpose built rigs just like those those wild uh hill shoot buggies that you guys build over mm-hmm. there. Like that that's of no use to us down here in Louisiana, but yeah. I still appreciate what it is. I, I appreciate the driving skill that it takes. And for us it's the same thing. Like it probably doesn't make sense to most people. Yeah. But for us it works perfect and this is how we have fun. Yeah, and, and even I mean people people forget. People looked at rock bouncers like that for a long time in the full-size world Um, so it definitely makes sense but uh, you know you mentioned the mint 400 when you guys won that what car were you in we were actually in the original style maverick um, xds turbo okay gotcha gen 2 maverick and it was uh the first year the force year come out and the first year that the turbo would come out okay so you guys you guys win that race you know uh, so and correct me i know you just mentioned this can-am comes out they say hey do you guys want to do this desert race you guys win the race uh yep. what happens next in your story so 
certainly we all of a sudden get on the map. So at that time, you know, we were buying wheels and tires. We can't even help us out with a with a small parts allowance and mm-hmm. and uh, you know help with with one car that we could turn into a race car. Uh, no support from anybody else. Like we were strictly building, you know, off of our own dime, getting these cars ready, traveling out there and. And so we win the Mint 400, man, and all of a sudden it seems like the, the magazine started calling and the phone started ringing for, for sponsorship and help with wheels and tires and shocks and all sorts of things. And so we didn't know at that time what we had done because we were just racing because we loved to race and we had the opportunity to try something new. Mm-hmm. But uh, unbeknownst to us, it was going to open a whole lot of doors, not just for racing because that's a very small part of what we do. Mm-hmm. But expansion of power sports as far as building race cars, you know, building uh, long travel and suspension kits and just getting outside of the mud. So a lot of people many times have said, like, you guys are you know, giving up on your roots and, and getting away from what you were, you were raised doing. And we're not. It's not that at all. Just as a business, we needed to expand and we needed to get into more uh, types of riding and just just take an opportunity to get out of just the little niche market that we had so that we could keep going man and it's uh thank goodness we did we did accept that offer to come try desert racing because mm-hmm. it's it's truly helped us as a company yeah okay so let's talk about the big race uh king of hammers that you guys just got back <laughs> from um you know i don't even know where to begin so just tell me about it. Tell me about the prep. Tell me about you guys getting there, doing some testing, uh, the actual race, and then uh, you know the 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 UTV guys start so early during the week. It's on Saturday yeah. or it's, it's on Sunday, correct? Sunday. Yes, that's right. Okay, that's right. So you guys have all this time after the race too. I want to hear about your entire time at King of the Hammers in Johnson Valley. Yeah. So. King of the Hammers, man, is just one of those races that you hear about for years and years. If you know anything about racing, it's like the Kentucky Derby for horse racing. Yep. You know, like you hear about it, you know about it, and you've always got that itch of like, man, I've got to try this at some point. And so um, last year, the opportunity arose for us to give it a try. And, uh, you know, we blindly went out there, no experience in the rocks. Like we go to some of the local riding parks and like climb stuff, but we had no idea what we were getting into. Mm-hmm. But fortunately, we have great fabricators here, and and we could just look around at what other bigger buggies than us were doing. And mm-hmm. so we boat sided our car. I don't think anybody had boat sided a UTV before. Then if they did, I didn't know about it. No man, and that's it such was, a smart choice. It was really kind of out there. It was a whole lot of work, and we was like, it was like, man, maybe it helps, maybe it doesn't, but let's just give it a try. We have the ability to do it. We have the fabricators do it. We want to make a good impression, um, and so we said, you know, let's go for it, and now looking back, we had no idea. We built the, the car that won King of the Hammers this year, and so it, he said, man, I want one set up just like yours, boat-sided, shortened, uh, high, like, ready to hit the rocks, and so Hunter Miller went out there and won in one of our chassis this year, but but we went out there last year and, you know, tough race, broke a front differential and and uh, somehow battled back to 10th place. So top 10 finish, man, the first year was, was very exciting. And, and you know how it is, man. You just, it leaves you wanting a little more and a little more. Mm-hmm. And, like, you get a top 10, you're like, man, I can do a little better than this. Like, we can come back better prepared. And yeah. And help ourselves, man, had to come back for year two. So let me ask you a couple questions before we go on because it's they're, they're just coming. So first yeah. thing is, uh, for those listening online, uh, the car we're talking about is the American flag car that's got the white chassis. Um, is you know I know you said you boat sided that car, 
but is that a completely custom X3 chassis or is that using any part of the stock components of the chassis? We actually use the front and rear factory bulkhead, okay. uh, which is where the radius rods bolt up and where the front differential bolts up. Besides mm -hmm. that, we replaced everything in the middle. Okay. So it was just kind of one of those go wild, do whatever we want, build as crazy as we can, make a good impression. Um, and then it just, you know, it, it, it ended up being a full tube chassis car. And so yeah. I've always told everybody, man, like if we're not going to be the fastest or we're not going to uh, win every race, we at least want to go out there looking cool. Yeah, you guys. We try to, we try to do that every time. Trust me. I, everyone knew exactly which car you guys were in <laughs> from a mile away. I thought it was awesome. Now, also, um, you mentioned Hunter Miller winning this year. Yep. Uh, yep. Uh, so Hunter Miller's actually going to be on the show soon. So shout out to oh, Hunter. Cool. Uh, he'll be on here yep. soon. Um, you guys come out in your chassis and you guys place top 10 your first year with, you know, uh, you guys have rock, you know, you mentioned rock experience, but you guys weren't prepared. Um, Hunter Miller came out this year and his brother Cody, uh, it was their first year doing King of Hammers. Is that correct? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Their first, first run at it. Okay. So let me just, let me just say, because I've had, you know, yeah, I'm going to, I might, the people who are, who are going to quote here, they're listening. Uh, I had have had a bunch of UTV racers call me and, and talk conspiracy, talk this and that, and they're just like, look, and their, their big their big argument point is, do you think that anyone on their first tryout can come out here and win King of Hammers? And that's just, that's like their, their, their argument. What do you think about it? Because you obviously, you come out, um, this race is not only car, but it's, you know, it's so much driver. You come out your first year, you guys place top 10. Uh, what's what's the trick? You know, because Hunter comes out this year, wins the whole thing on his first try. It's That is pretty unheard of. You know, what's yeah. the secret? I mean, it certainly is. And to be honest with you, the cars have now become so reliable. So I remember doing research from a few years back, and it was almost like if you could get your car to finish, then mm -hmm. you had an opportunity to win. And yeah. You know, the Guthrie's that have raced out there for many years have won God, countless King of Hammers, and they're just absolute studs in the rocks. That's their back their their backyard, man. Mm -hmm. They can go out there and, and run those trails, and they know them inside and out. Just great, great racers in the rocks. It's hard to dethrone a guy like that that's racing it, that sort of advantage as far as experience and knowing the terrain. But, but um, I mean, those guys did not have a flawless race this year. And, Agreed. And, with the UTVs the way that they are now, and I've learned this with desert racing, like it doesn't boil down to who can finish the race anymore. It's who has a flawless race now. And and Hunter and uh, Chad Hughes, you know, they had that flawless race at King of the Hammers where you know, the top guys um, that usually are way out front, they did not have a flawless race. And maybe it was a flat, maybe it was a bent tie rod, maybe it was struggling in an obstacle getting out and pulling winch lines, but, mm -hmm. man, that's what it takes on every level of race, on, a, you know, every uh, genre of racing nowadays at the highest level, it boils down to having a perfect race. So a good example of that is us winning the Mint 400. It's, it's no different than Hunter coming out and winning King Namers. We won yeah, you're right. the biggest off-road race in the United States. On our third race in the desert, we had no clue what we were doing. All we knew is we needed to keep the car moving, we didn't need to get out to change flats. We couldn't change belts, couldn't change axles, and we just kept moving, kept moving, and somehow we won that race. So, 
certainly it's doable. The odds are stacked against you to go out there and win King of the Hammers on your first try because it is a savage, savage race. Mm-hmm. But I will say the Millers did their due diligence. They spent time out there. They they went out there and practiced three, three or four times this year. So. Mm-hmm. Those guys are studs, man. You can't take anything away from them as far as being able to drive good and their preparation for this race. And I mean, I, I have to feel like and, and hope that uh, the chassis that we built them had a little to do with it. But at the end of the day, they are absolute studs, and they did their homework. Yeah, and I'll tell you, man. If you know both of those guys, both of those chassis that you built were on one and two. Is that correct? They qualified one and two, and then um, uh, yeah. Cody Miller qualified first, yep. so he left the line first, and then Hunter Hunter Miller qualified second, and then Hunter ended up winning. So, so I mean, the proof is in the. I mean, look at the, you know, if you look at if you look at it from a logical mathematic perspective, the proof there's a there's a common denominator there somewhere. So I would I would definitely think that your chassis had at least something to do with it. Um, but but anyways, going back to going back to yourself, uh, the car you raced in 2019. Did yep. you run 35s on that car? We did, man. I think we were the first UTV team to try a 35 out of King of the Hammers. And yeah, dude, that's bonkers. Man, that is huge. Oh, man, it came back to bite us for sure, man. It was one of those things. It was it was hero or zero, and, you mm-hmm. know, we decided to give it a try. Yeah, it was awesome. So let me ask you this, though. Uh, you know, you guys are out there on 35s. Did you did you feel like it hindered you too much? I mean, obviously the car set up to run 35s, but mm-hmm. did it hinder you too much in the desert? You know, was the pro of the ground clearance and the rocks, uh, did that take over the precedence of, you know, the, the higher potential speed that you could have in the desert? Man, honestly, the, the tires felt really good as far as a rollout with the mm-hmm. larger diameter. Like, I felt like it helped us a little bit mm-hmm. in, the, uh, in the desert and in those little sections, you didn't feel so much feedback from the road. Certainly in the rocks where I could tell the biggest difference is mm-hmm. it seemed like when I would get in behind traffic, like they were really struggling to navigate the rocks to mm-hmm. where it felt like our car wasn't dragging belly pan. Like it was getting through the rocks really easily. So mm-hmm. for me, I was like, man, it's, these things are impressive. I never would have thought they would be such an advantage. But you know very well when you're limited on axle size and, yeah. and drivetrain, like that rotating mass, every pound outside of that uh, hub center just absolutely uh, grows ex- exponentially the force that it puts on your drive axles and your differentials and yeah, stuff like sure that. Yeah, so, sure does. While 35s were amazing uh, for the rollout and the ground clearance, man, when we really got them in a bind, and I think it was in Wrecking Ball or something like that, mm-hmm. we ended up, you know, it ended up costing us a front differential when you really, really had to bound, the car bound up. So Yeah, and, um, and I'll say this too, uh, I've spoken pretty pretty highly of the of the new x3 that's out there um i'm actually i live about 15 minutes away from hubert and uh, have spent quite a bit of yeah man i've spent quite a bit of time with him here recently and we'll kind of get into into those guys in just a few minutes but um that front diff can take some abuse too so so i uh you know it's it it's not a shock to me that it went out, but I know that you guys were, were pushing the car hard to get through there, and uh, you know, a 35 may be the limit, but man, I'll just I'll stick up for that front diff because it's it's pretty it's pretty amazing what that car can yeah, handle. They're, they're certainly stout, and I'll, and I'll be honest with you, you know, I've torn up a lot of stuff in my in my life, and I've always admitted like, okay, that thing should have broken. There's no doubt in my mind. The bind that we had that car in when we broke that front differential, it was it was justified. So. Okay. 
Okay. Um, nobody's fault but my own tearing stuff up, and anything can be broken. And it was just one of those times we were desperate. The all the easy lines were blocked, and mm-hmm. we just we had to keep going. You know. Yeah, absolutely. So jump to 2020. Um, I actually got a chance to watch you qualify. Uh, you qualified on some some mini tires this year. You went the other direction on the qualification tires, right? I did, I did. So qualifying for King of the Hammers doesn't have any really, really big technical obstacles. Mm-hmm. And so we took a big chance. There's a, there's a whole lot of short course and a whole lot of infield section. And, and you know, I, I felt like we could make up a little time by going smaller tire. And, you know, fortunately, the car held together. And, and I, I don't remember what we qualified, maybe seventh or something like mm-hmm. that. And so um, didn't push hard enough to, to chance tearing the car up. But, uh but certainly wanted to stay up in that top ten with the uh, with the fast guys. So when we hit the desert, we didn't have as much as much traffic to contend with. Okay. Well, tell me about the race. Twenty twenty King of Hammers. You guys leave the line in seventh. Uh, tell me about the whole thing. Yeah, we left beside Bryce Menzies, I believe, and so um, <laughs> we all shot him out of the first couple of corners going down to the desert. Obviously, he's a stud trophy truck driver, yeah. and monster in his big four wheel drive truck, and so. First thing I noticed is he was literally touching my bumper when we hit the desert, and. You know, we hit a couple of corners, um, ran for a little while. I, I knew, you know, he was starting to catch some dust, and so all of a sudden he disappeared. Well, come to find out, he had caught a rock on the right side and blew out both wheels Ooh. right after we got out to the desert section. And so Damn. that was a relief. That mean a little pressure was off, and I had some clean air for a little while. So, um, so we just settled in, man, started running up a pace that we were comfortable with. You know, we braced in those environments so many times. I'm I know what the pace is to uh, to keep up with the crowd, make sure we're not lo- lo- losing positions and things like that. And, and a lot of times I tell all the guys that race for us is if you don't scare yourself once in a while, you're not going fast enough because I can promise you I'm scaring myself when I'm driving. Yeah, so, yeah. And, and I was going to save it and talk about it in a little bit, but like – I got in Hubert's X3. Uh, it's one of yeah. the new the new turbos, the RC edition. Yep. Dude, just violent, violent amounts of power. Oh yeah, my. They're, they're strong. And, and man, not only that, we we put the uh, the Evolution tunes on our cars. Yeah. Like they're big injectors, and so Evolution is a big part of our race team. Me and Jim and Todd over there hook it up, and so dude, our cars will run 100 miles an hour, and yeah. they're just freaking monsters. And, and, and let so. me say this to the listeners: there's a lot of guys out there who say, "Hey, my car will do 100 miles an hour." These <laughs> these cars will do 100 miles an hour, and they'll they will. beat the brakes. Oh my gosh! I just remember I, I'm not one to ever like you know. I actually rode passenger with him. I had him take me around a, a loop on his in his woods course at his house, and uh, yep. I'm not one to like hold on to my harness and like really brace myself. <laughs> Man, I have not been that like tight butthole in a long time. <laughs> that was it was it was wild. <laughs> These cars are stupid now, man. They're super strong, and, and yeah. man, the X3 is just an absolute stud. And so, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, anyways, sorry to derail, uh, but I, I fully believe that you were just crushing it through the desert, but uh, you guys are moving through the desert. Bryce is out of your way. Well, where are you guys ending up next? Yeah, so we rolled into uh, a little area called Cougar Buttes. It's a really unique area out there, mm-hmm. and... Um, it's like these rolling, sandy, kind of kind of rock, uh, I mean, uh, kind of sandpaper style of rocks, a little bit like Moab. And so we, we have to switch back and forth between this wash, and you're dropping into the wash blindly. You can't really see under you because it's such steep drops. Mm-hmm. And so um, we ended up catching up to Guthrie Jr. going through there. Um, 
And so I thought to myself, man, this dude knows this area. Like, this is the guy we need to follow through Cougar Buttes. Let's get right in behind him. Mm-hmm. So we crossed through the ravine, turned right, and uh, and was crossing back through the ravine. As I turned right, I spotted him going through the ravine. Well, I thought he took an immediate right and dropped into the ravine. Mm-hmm. Well, come to find out, he'd gone up about 50 foot, turned right, and had to come back down the ravine. I didn't see that. And so when I popped up on the top side, I saw him exiting the ravine. I immediately turned right. And when I was trying to drop my nose down to the ravine, we dropped into like a 10-foot crevice, dude. Put the car on the lid. Ooh. Left side of the cage against the rocks, like dropped down in a hole. And, and uh, kind of where our, uh, where I knew our, our race was going to change. So we went from, I think, man, everybody says they were winning on corrected time at all the races and mm-hmm. all the way until. So I think we made our, our way back up to, uh, I don't know, something like fourth on course. So I think it was... Hunter Miller, Kyle Chaney, Guthrie Jr., and then we were in fourth physically. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, that's where our day took a quick change when we dropped that <laughs> thing down in that, uh, down in that crevice. So. Yeah. Well, you get going. I mean, did that completely put you out of the race? I know you said you were able to move some back in, but, uh, you know, you guys were able to finish that race, though, correct? Uh, no, for me, yeah, that, put, that pretty well put us out of the race. So I... I like I said earlier, man, like you have to have a flawless racer if you're going to win it. For yeah. me, it pretty well put us out of the race. We ended up getting out of the ravine. During the winching process, we ended up tearing one of the front hubs up because we had the car in such a bind, just trying to get it out of this crevice. So we limped it to the pits, lost, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes just trying to get to the pits. Got the knuckle swapped and got back going. So we had a pretty clean race until um, until we made it to Chocolate Thunder. But at that point, man, when we were 15 or 20 minutes off the lead, we changed our goal from you know trying to win to trying to get the car to finish. So gotcha. gotcha. I'm never, never going to be a guy that gives up on a race. I will literally battle to the, to the dead end. I'm never going to pull off track unless the car physically will not move anymore. And so we kept battling, man. I knew it was going to be a long day, and, and we had no chance of even doing well. Mm-hmm. But we were not going to stop racing, mainly because our guys put in so much work, and we travel so far to make it to these races that I'm, I'm not going to be an example of somebody that would give up just mm-hmm. when the luck is not going my way. You will always see me battle to the end. Dude, that honorable, that samurai mentality right there. That's, what I, that's, that's what's up. Um, yes, sir. But uh, you guys pretty much made this huge like impact on social media during king of the hammers because uh all these pictures all these videos um you're out there helping guys winch what point of the race is that when did you guys decide to or when did you decide to get out of the car and start helping these guys pass through this uh through this you know uh roadblock or narrow path yeah so that that narrow path that it got to right there was a pretty tough obstacle it's called chocolate thunder so mm-hmm. that's just about a mile from the campground it's very easy to get to so that's where all of the spectators accumulate Mm -hmm. to watch because it's a really wild uphill climb that's super tough and so we made it to there we had had two flats we replaced one of the flats but we only had one spare on the car so we made it to chocolate thunder with a flat rear right tire Mm -hmm. and and i knew going into chocolate thunder like it was, uh, we were going to be fighting a losing battle trying to do this, but mm-hmm. couldn't help myself. So, nah. you know, I looked over <laughs> my co-driver, Dustin, and I said, you know, buddy, this is likely going to be the end for us. It was one of those, 
it was one of those 300 moments yeah. with, uh, you know, Spartans and Persian where you realize, like, man, this is this is it. This is our last stand. And so, yeah. pulling up Chocolate Thunder, I told Dustin, I said, buddy, this is likely where the day ends for us. I said, but all we can do is put on a show when we get here. So, we hit Chocolate Thunder, rear right, flat. There was a traffic jam, and, and I just started picking my way through there as best I could. And mm-hmm. so, I ended up passing three or four cars just right there in the obstacles, made it to what was the really, really nasty climb, and we tried it and tried it and tried it until finally, you know, I had the car on the rev limiter, tires smoking, trying to get it around this rock, and I ended up breaking a front drive shaft. When I heard that pop, like I chopped throttle and I, I radioed to D, and I said, yeah, man, that's it. I said, our, uh, our King of the Hammers is, is over. Yeah. And so... Dude, you know, well, like, go ahead. I was just gonna say, like, like taking it to the finish. There's, there's a lot of guys who have the mentality of, you know, I'm never gonna give up the race, and they'll get in that position where they're, you know, oh, okay, well, I'm stuck. Like it, you know, I didn't give up, but I'm at the end. No, man, send yeah. it, send it till she, she can't go no more. I like that. Uh, man, I tell everybody, dude, we'll, we'll blow the car up to, uh, to try <laughs> to get the finish, and I, and I mean, I did, unfortunately. Yeah. I just. I, I wasn't going to stop it. If it would move a little bit, I was going to keep hitting it. And I did until I heard the front end pop. And then I knew what I didn't want to do is become a roadblock for other guys that were still trying to race. Yeah. So instead of getting our car wedged in there, I told D, like, man, that that was our last chance there. there it, the car physically will not make it past yeah. this obstacle. So yeah. I pulled it over to the side. Um, you know, D came back to the car and was like, man, what do you want to do? And I knew that was the end of our race. Mm-hmm. But there was a lot of guys lined up behind us, a lot of guys stuck in the track. And and literally, it didn't even enter my mind not to do this. Mm-hmm. I said, man, let's just help these dudes keep racing. Their day's not over. Their cars are still running. Let's help them get to finish. And so when we jumped out of the car, pulled, started pulling winch lines, started stacking rocks for people, I honestly, I had no idea there was anybody there with a video camera like watching what we're doing that's not what we were doing it for we were doing it because we were healthy you know we were getting around still these guys wanted it to finish king of the hammers regardless of how their day had started because if they were back there with us they was they was quite a ways back like Mm -hmm. there was no chance for them to to, uh win it but that was our opportunity to help these guys go ahead and get to the finish line yeah yeah and 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 i i you know it's one of those things maybe I feel like I'm just like I have an optimistic view. I never once, you know, even occurred to me that people would think that you guys were doing it for, you know, a photo op or something like that. Yeah. That's that's no, no. that's ridiculous, you know. I'm not. I'm not. Yeah. Cuz I didn't know until well later mm-hmm. that uh that they were doing the live feed at Chocolate Thunder. I had no idea. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, we had no way of knowing that. Well, that's that's awesome, man. And it's awesome that you took the time. Uh and not only that, but you got probably the most sweet double bicep shot from King of Hammers. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you got a, you got a sick one. Graham, dude, caught me flexing. I know. For the Graham, dude. Yeah, dude. You've been, you've been hitting the iron. It's obvious, man, for sure. Man, we were getting ready for King of the Hammers. We, <laughs> last year, we did a whole lot of running, a whole lot of winch line pulling. And so, bro, I've been doing CrossFit, maybe a little yoga. Oh, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I like it. Bro, I was getting <laughs> dialed for King of the Hammers, man. I knew it was a physical race, so dude, just in case. Dude, I love it, man. And, hey, so I got to ask. Uh, so I'm yep. a big, big fan of comedy, and I, like, I started putting all these pieces together, and I was like, this dude reminds me of Theo Vaughn. 
Like, I love Theo Vaughn, dude. dude. I love him. <laughs> and even just right there in that little like exchange, I was like, this dude, it, it's it's the Louisiana, like the the dialect, the way they talk, it's the whole nine yards. And I was like, this guy, this guy, he's, he's yeah, I can I can already tell he's gonna be funny. So I, 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 I love just, that dude. I think he's from Louisiana too. Andy yeah, yeah, dude. Like, he's he, man. He, if you don't know Theo Vaughn, dude, you gotta look him up. That is dude that is truly from where i'm from you know yeah he is and i think he's just outside from or i don't know exactly where he's from but i think he's just around tulane and uh he was i was watching him the other day and he was talking about how they had a, a primate like testing center where they would do tests on monkeys and stuff oh, yeah. like that in a city and dude oh, yeah. oh my gosh man i lost it the, the way that he portrays like where he grew up in louisiana it is just like like lawlessness and it is it's it's awesome man i thought it was maybe awesome. that's uh maybe that's just louisiana because we got a little place down the road from us that's we used to go out to and it's called champ haven man and i, I don't know if it's Retarded monkeys or retired monkeys. I don't, I don't I honestly don't know, but we used to go poke on the sticks, bro. And you talk about go wild, man. Yeah. Freaking dude, we'll tear a fence down. Yeah, dude. And so there's a chimp facility that's out where we used to go ride bikes that's called Chimp Haven. And yeah, they broke out one day, man. I don't, I don't think they ended up, ended up finding all of them, but uh, but yeah, they got most of them back in the cages. But maybe that's just a Louisiana thing. They just, they just bring, uh, they bring the, crazy monkey down here yeah no that's awesome man uh i'm it's so funny i'm trying to uh find out where theo vaughn is from because that i mean i think that you guys may be uh like right in the same place because he uh <laughs> it's, it's pretty funny uh but but all in all man uh that's awesome oh man uh covington louisiana yeah that's it that's it absolutely yeah that's where he's from we're okay. like the Yankees, Louisiana. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, he's he's from Covington, so that's that's pretty yep. funny. Small small world, man. That's that's really funny. But uh, all in all, you guys get King of Hammers. Uh, you guys have you know not necessarily the day you wanted, but you you had a good time. Uh, you guys had a little bit of time to reflect there. You guys were there for the trophy trucks, the forty five hundred cars. Or I'm sorry, the forty four hundred cars and the forty five hundred. Shout out to the forty five hundred class. But um, you guys were there for all that. How did the rest of that week go for you? Was there anything else that was like super impactful? Um, man, King of the Hammers is always crazy, dude. So anytime I tell everybody, that is one event that you have to go to. If you can stay for three or four days for that event, it's just absolute insanity for like 10 days straight. So when you watch the events and you go out to Chocolate Thunder, man, you watch the qualifying, it's just an event that you cannot miss, dude. If, if I'd have known earlier what this race was all about i would have gone every year and so i don't know if we're, we're addicted or what but uh but i have a feeling this won't be the last year that we hit king and hammers and i mean anybody that gets an opportunity needs to go out there and experience that it's, it's insanity yeah it's it's on our calendar uh the racing on the rocks team it's on our calendar for sure oh, you uh, got, maybe got maybe it. not 2021 but maybe 2022 i, I said it last podcast uh me and my wife are talking about adding a and another member of the family, so we gotta we gotta figure out how that's gonna work <laughs> with oh, the man, King of the Hammers playing. Dude, I mean, no way, no better way to add him than bring him out to King of the Hammers. <laughs> yeah, leave him at King of the Hammers. Either one. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I'll have to do some convincing for that one, but uh, you know, uh, we'll stay hopeful. But uh, you guys are out there, uh, like I said, with the trophy trucks. Um, that is to me is just one of those. It's kind of trophy trucks or the T one hundred cars. 
they're they're yep. still kind of a niche market in, in terms of they seem to kind of keep to themselves uh, and, and with them being integrated into King of the Hammers they're getting a lot more exposure to the guys who do side-by-sides and the 4400 cars um, what are your thoughts on those T100 trucks is that something that you would do man I think uh, you know anybody that's into racing is, is off-road racing mainly aspires to have the opportunity to drive you know a trick truck mm-hmm. uh, race ultra, I mean, uh, race uh, pro fours or something like that. Like anything with eight, nine hundred, a thousand horsepower, like, man, that's what everybody aspires to, to get into. I guess it's like dirt trackers. Yeah. Uh, all aspire to race NASCAR. Yeah. So yeah, that's all funny. All pro actually. racers dream of driving a trophy truck. Yeah. For me, for S3 Power Switch, for us, it would not make any sense. <laughs> Those programs are insane. Yeah, they are. Um, but man, it's it's for sure a dream to get the opportunity to to drive a uh, to drive a trophy truck in a race. So, yeah, yeah, well, absolutely. Be the scenario where it ever happens, but man, it sure would be cool. Yeah, well, putting it out there, man, you never know who will get in touch with you. Um, really one more thing about King of the Hammers before we wrap that up. Uh, yep. So. Uh, Cody Miller, not Hunter yeah. Miller one, uh, the the UTV. Cody Miller saves his car, puts it to get you know, kind of refurbishes everything, and races in the forty four hundred class and finishes. So what does that mean for the UTV guys? Does does that mean that you guys need to do the full lap if he's capable of doing it at that full third lap, the rest of those rock trails? Do you guys need to keep doing that? Or what does that I mean, mean I think, for you? I think using Cody Miller as a benchmark of what the UTV class <laughs> yeah. is maybe not a good idea. Yeah, it sounds Cody a little unfair. And there is a few guys that could have could have done similarly and mm-hmm. really got it done out there, but man, that is that is truly, he is truly an elite racer mm-hmm. um, that knows how to get a car to finish. That's very crafty. You know, I know they had some trouble. They kept the car going. They got it fixed. They got back out there and he ended up 15th in that class, which is absolutely Crazy. incredible. Crazy. But man, he is a seasoned veteran that has been racing for a long time. And if any anybody could pull something together and get to finish, it's going to be him. So yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he's kind of the top of the bell curve, mm-hmm. uh, if you will. Um, um, obviously being the first UTV to ever run 4400 that I'm familiar with mm-hmm. I think it would be hard to uh, justify um, adapting the race to match what he was able to do sure. because you got to look at it the, the battle of I mean the war of attrition out there for UTVs is incredible yeah. very very few UTVs finish on time as it is mm-hmm. with us only making one desert loop and one rock loop you'd be hard pressed to get many many guys to uh, to finish running that same loop that the uh, 4400 guys were running. That's yeah. incredible that he was able to do that. Now let me ask you one more question. Um, my guest on the show last week, Jay Calloway, he mentioned that he was actually behind Cody on race course and him being in a car that weighs tremendously much, tremendously higher than the UTV, um, he voiced that he honestly felt uncomfortable to pass Cody yeah. in that race. And, you know, I hadn't actually thought about that perspective of, you know, not that Cody was necessarily a bother or anything like that, but just all in all in terms of safety, you know, if I was, and I'll use myself as an example, if I was going to have to rub that car to make the pass that I needed to make to keep running my race, um, you know, if he doesn't get out of the way, at what point does it become unsafe for him to be, you know, uh, at what point does he become an obstacle where he's going to endanger himself to, you know, because of another racer's choice? Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly, you know, it would be 
it would be uh, tough for you to throw a Razor 170 in the class with the with the Pro Turbo guys. Now, yeah. the the leap that Cody was taking is not that that drastic of a difference, mm-hmm. but certainly those those 4400 cars are you know twice as heavy, twice as big, uh, twice as big of tires. At the end of the day, man, it's it's like a uh, you know uh, for me racing is like a fist fight. Like you show up no holds bar you're fighting who who, who walked out in the parking lot and yeah so Co- I get it. cody had that mentality going in the race he knew what the risk was for him getting in that race he knew what could potentially happen and i think he prepared himself for it either way i can appreciate that that um the guy you talked to last week was mm-hmm. willing to be considered of that um but at the end of the day you know all of us are racing for winning now there comes a point when you know like hey i'm not in this race no more so there's no need for me to to take the guy out in front of me. I've seen that a lot of times, and I really think that's poor sportsmanship. I, I agree. The, yeah. Very back of the pack, man. Like you're out of the race, you were down for whatever reason, mm-hmm. and you end somebody else's day. Like I've, I've seen that happen, and I'm just uh, like, man, that's that's not the way to do it. Yeah, but that's that's gross. That's just gross. Agree, agree. But for me, it was a risk that Cody knew he was taking when he went out there. Do I think anybody should should punt him intentionally to damage his car to prove a point absolutely not like yeah. show good sportsmanship but it's like everything man i give i give everybody you know two opportunities to get out of the way mm-hmm. uh whenever i whenever i use my horn and the third opportunity i make sure that they move and so yeah that's that's what racing is um and it was a risk that cody was willing to take so yeah yeah absolutely and there's there's definitely that side of the coin and uh, I, I get both sides, and I even get you know your side of it, where you know it kind of is what it is. But I think even you know, even if it if it were me, and because I think Jay actually caught him in Cougar Buttes on lap one, um, so it was fairly early in the race, and uh, it was just a it was just a gut thing. He said he said I could I could have done this, and you know probably a more skilled driver could have executed the pass with a little bit more finesse. Um, he was very much not attacking or, you know, making a big stink about it or anything like that. But he was just raising the question because, um, you know, he, he said his gut just wasn't wasn't going to let him accidentally, you know, trample this car. You know, it just yep. it just didn't feel right. And, uh, and, and and I can I can truly appreciate his sportsmanship. And I'll give you an example of that the Mint 400 two years ago, mm-hmm. they let the I think it's the 7200 class is basically a class of like a lot of trophy truck guys that have pre-runners mm-hmm. that are able to take the laps with us during the race now a lot of those guys are not in it to win it mm-hmm. they are they're there to kind of sight lap take a few laps so jason voss which is an absolute freaking stud in trophy trucks mm-hmm. qualifies a first or second nearly every race for the best in the desert he got behind me at the mid 400 and i did not see him mm-hmm. and i guarantee you he followed me for 15 miles tried to pass me three or four times we have the helo footage of him and he never nerfed me he never did anything to take me out of the race he had every right to because mm-hmm. i didn't know he was back there he tried to pass me multiple times he could have punted me mm-hmm. and he never did that so i can appreciate uh the sportsmanship of Jay and the respect um, mm-hmm. that he gave him, uh, that he gave Cody, mm-hmm. um, that really says a lot about him. Um, and so that's one of those tough things, man, to throw a car that's not really built for that class. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's be honest, like we recognize the difference between the two vehicles. Exactly. While it may, exactly. It may, add, it may pass tech inspection, mm-hmm. that car is not built to race with the 4400. Yeah. It's just not. 
Yeah, and um, and, and so, that's and that's why I bring it up is just because you know there's not necessarily a, a clear answer there. It's just about having the conversation, you know, getting yeah. getting that conversation started. Because if one person does it and not only does it but plays this top twenty, you know, crazy, uh, there's definitely you know will be repeaters uh, that, that may not be as well prepared or skilled. Um, so just throw it out there just to just to talk about it. But absolutely. Um, absolutely. King of Hammers wraps up. Uh, what, what's next in the pipeline for you guys? Where do you guys go next? Because uh, you guys just released a, uh, you know, Visions, is it Visions of Victory? That's right. Okay. That's right. You guys released Visions of Victory. You guys are down in Mexico. Uh, I actually watched it before we started recording. Super cool. Super, super cool. Uh, tell me a little bit about that whole setup. What's the goal of the videos? And, you know, what are you guys doing in, in the one that just released? Yeah, so the Visions of Victory originally started as just documentation of our racing, like we were telling just race stories as as we saw it through our eyes, as we experienced it. So we started that five years ago with mm -hmm. the desert racing. Uh, Mr. Mal, that, that is the owner of S3, he, uh, he funded to document this stuff because he wanted to show his grandson one day and be like, look, your grandpa was a racer, like a <laughs> pro desert racer, like it's cool. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we have uh, Josh Catonia that is our, you know, editor, film guy that takes care of all that. He's just an absolute stud, and he tells such a great story. So it progressed into, you know, kind of catching people's eye, and it caught the attention to Kane Am of the quality of work he was doing and documenting all that. And so he was racing for several years, and fast forward three or four years later, man, they just, they turn into kind of um, – a running gun for us like hey we're doing all this crazy stuff every weekend every few weeks we're flying all over the country to go ride mm -hmm. like let's just document this stuff as we go and so the one that we released this morning was one of those it was an opportunity for us to go down to mexico to ride for a weekend to check out whenever they release in the 2020 x3s we took the camera along with us and we just and we just did it you know we just mm -hmm. we went along and so that's it's turned into something crazy for us, man, to where now we've got to spin off of the Rip Sesh videos, which is you know, short for Rip Sessions, and it's basically uh, our race videos. We're fixing to release our King of the Hammers race video. It's completed. I just watched the final cut yesterday. And so uh, everything that we've talked about this evening, you'll be able to watch on our um, Visions of Victory Rip Sesh video that mm -hmm. we're going to release for the King of the Hammers that I think we're going to drop it next week. Dude, so, that's awesome. That's that's really really exciting. I can't wait to watch it for sure. It's cool, man. It tells the whole story that I told of Chocolate Thunder and like us getting caught up in the crevice and Hunter Miller winning. Like it tells the whole story. So um, well, that's awesome. So yeah, man. We we're getting ready to drop a bunch more of those. We're uh, continually filming those. We're filming one I think in two weeks, and it's nothing staged, man. It's literally live action. We just take a camera with us as we go and document whatever happens. And, Man, it seems like with our group, it's always something crazy. Yeah. So let me ask you this, because uh, you know S3 doesn't just make Can-Am parts, but you guys, yeah. you guys make Jeep parts. You guys make uh, Polaris, Honda, <laughs> the whole nine yards. Um, yep. What are your thoughts? Uh, you are a Can-Am guy. You guys are, you know, yep. your, your team Can-Am. But um, Polaris comes out with the Turbo S, and now Polaris answers with the Pro XP. Um, it really and, and for those who don't know, Polaris is, is going through uh, a big shift right now where they're trying to kind of change their marketing up and change this and change that. But as someone on the other side of the fence, um, what does Polaris have to do to catch up? I mean, because you, you work on these products, but where, I mean, they're just behind. 
call it what it is. Yeah. Yeah, so you're right. Here at our shop, S3 Power Sports, we do build suspensions for everything, and we build them for the new Pro XP and, and for the, the Polaris Turbo S, and you know, a lot of people know us for the Canyon parts. And mm-hmm. I've been one that I've always been honest, uh, good, bad, or indifferent, and I will tell you the pros and cons of every vehicle, if mm-hmm. you ask me. Um, truly an opinionated uh, topic, it's the Ford Chevy thing. Right, uh, absolutely. You know, Polaris makes a great product. They they led the market for many, many years. Uh, you know, the Razor was the first sports side-by-side, and they just killed it, mm-hmm. you know, for several, several years. Um, and Can-Am finally battled, and, and, you know, when they dropped the X3, I think that was the next evolution of side-by-side when it passed the 20-inch uh, suspension travel mm-hmm. mark. You know, shocks come up behind your head, great motion ratio on, on the shocks, and you know, just a great design, and so I do agree with you at the moment. Mm-hmm. I believe Polaris is working from a little bit of a deficit. Yeah. I think I'm confidently say from building, racing, working on these vehicles, Can-Am has a superior machine mm-hmm. right now. But I will tell you, the way the world is, the way this industry works, Polaris will not stand by and get beaten for long. You can yeah be assured that they're either ready to drop, they're working on, they're in the progress of, of finishing a new unit that will be, you know, direct competition and, and potentially a better unit than what the X3 was. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, it just, it's a never-ending circle. So it is. I already know what's in the pipeline for K&M, and I'm so freaking pumped for what they have coming. Can you tell us um, anything? Can you, ta- can you give us any, <laughs> any little bit? Can you give us an inch? Oh man, let me think. Let me think of uh, of what I can say. Oh man, it's uh, it's going to be fast, mm-hmm. and there's there's going to be some limitations that uh, that are taking away, taken away, and so um, interesting. Yeah, it's going to be uh, uh, I'm excited for what Canyon has in the pipeline. So. Players is going to fire back. They're going to have a great machine. They always come back. Uh, yeah. Guns blazing. But yeah. I know what any of them have, and, and it's going to be hard to beat them for the next several years. Yeah, and I will, and, and everybody, you know, everybody always wants to pick a side. You have your Polaris guys, your K&M guys. You have those weirdo Honda guys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Hondas are super reliable. No, uh, it's actually a great machine. You yeah, know, they are. The shop for fixing to release our parts on. They have a lot of great features to them. Um, what do you think of the, the, the transmission and all that? Because that seems to be the, the big the big pull for it. Yeah, absolutely. The Japanese companies, you know, be uh, Yamaha, Honda, Kawasaki, seem to be a little behind, and I think everybody knows it's because of all those major lawsuits with the Yamaha Rhino years and years ago that yeah. they're really scared to kind of push that market. But I will tell you, we've got the Honda in here. We're building the suspension for it. We just finished up our cages and our bumpers and stuff for it. It is a great little unit as far as, like, semi-sport, more trail riding, mm-hmm. really capable, really reliable. It's a great machine. It's hard brake lines throughout the whole unit. So That's cool. Know, it just got little features as a racer, some things that we do to our car that I'm like, wow, they, they did this from the factory. And so, yeah. Great unit, way underpowered. Um, you know, the, the narrow model has a little old technology for the rear suspension, but in general... The Japanese companies, man, they make super reliable, really good machines. I think the Kawasaki's going to be awesome. The yeah. Yamaha has proven to be a great, reliable machine. 
Yeah. To, can, um, do you have a Kawasaki? Uh, have you gotten a chance to get in one, drive one, feel around? No, actually, I, I, I try, I'm such a weirdo when it comes to stuff like that. Like, I've never driven a Yamaha. I've never driven the RS1. I've never driven really? a Honda. I'm so brand loyal yeah. to Can-Am that I can't make myself. It's just like with my monster sponsorship. Yep. I cannot drink any other uh, energy drink. <laughs> I understand. Out or not. It's my personal conviction. Like, I'm so brand loyal. I stick to uh what I love, you know? Yeah, man, and that's, I, you know, there's something to be said for that, because when you're, like, committed in your heart of hearts, uh, you, you know, it sounds like, and you always hope, that those those brands will commit back at the same level, so uh, I, I respect that a lot, I think that, that that shows a lot, too, so I think that's really cool, um, but all that being said, uh, you know, obviously, you are Team Can-Am, and, and are in a really great spot right now, Can-Am has an awesome machine, uh, tons of power, just ridiculous amounts of power everybody i cannot even begin to explain coming coming from uh i've been in a turbo s i had a full race ready rs1 that i raced uh i've been in turbos i even have driven um hubert when he had the pro xp uh he has i'm still floating around i'm not sure what i can and can't say there <laughs> anyways uh i've driven his pro xp awesome machines great machines but in terms of just flat out racing uh maneuverability nimbleness speed you know suspension technology wow can-am just woof i've never been in anything quite like that i agree man i truly feel like they have a superior machine and they did not for a long time mm -hmm. you know i'll i'll, I'll call a uh, spade a spade they yeah. did not have a superior machine for a long time and now they they absolutely do yeah yep i would agree with you so let me ask you this what's next for dustin what's what you guys are always moving always going on to one thing to the next uh what's the next thing in your barrel man so honestly you, you mentioned earlier and i'm surprised that you even you even knew about this but what we haven't even announced yet and the the next thing for us is we're fixing to release our line of jeep parts and so um, we're manufacturing in the middle of designing. We just prototyped it on my personal Jeep today. Um, we're working on our uh, our line of uh, Jeep parts that we're going to release uh, this year. That's awesome. So uh, what are you guys making in terms of, are you guys making suspension components or, or the whole, you know, all the parts? What are you guys doing for that? Yeah, so we're going to get into everything, but naturally we're going to start with the most practical things, which are, you know, front and rear bumpers, mm -hmm. rock sliders, um, different types of protection, like like really practical things. So we, we come from hardcore riding and, mm -hmm. and wheeling, so we're focusing on the stuff of, like, all right, what is the most practical, most usable thing out there? Where are everybody sacrificing design mm -hmm. for price? And we're it's just like how we went into business. We look at what everybody else is doing and say, you know what? I see where they're just trying to sacrifice to save a buck, and we can do this better, and and not not be so price driven. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. So With our, our parts are expensive, and I'm I'm the first one to say that. But it's because they're well designed, and a lot of people say, "Man, how do y'all get away with that?" But you have to look. You know, Ferrari is still in business. Uh, Lamborghini is still in business. Uh, they're still making Bugattis. And yeah. So for us, I would just rather make a better product and maybe fewer people purchase that product but at the end of the day i can go home and i can know that we're making quality stuff so yeah absolutely i i couldn't agree with you more um i think that's awesome but uh, i was going to ask do you guys have a gladiator in the shop actually we've got a brand new jl 
um, that we're working on right now, which the, the some of the parts are the same. Uh, the rear bumper is going to be a little bit different, but we've got a uh, we've got a brand new JL that belongs to uh, Mr. Mal uh, in the shop right now. That's and awesome. So we've got my JK and his JL in the shop right now. Gotcha. So I, the the Jeep that I built uh, ultimately where I ended um, was I had uh, off road evolutions full. Uh, coilover kit on there had yep. you know the full yep. rock crawler links all that fun stuff and uh, it was a little two-door JK and um, man they're, they're just so much fun as cars and, and like daily drivers that you can go out and enjoy like I, I use mine primarily for uh, kind of like just dirt roads going out and enjoying yourself go to the creek things like that uh, I tell everybody, man, they're a terrible daily driver, but yeah. they're such a fun vehicle to have. It perfect. Yes, I had nothing but <laughs> issues out of my front end, whether it was death wobble or I couldn't steer. Oh, I couldn't... the old infamous death wobble oh, gets them every God. time. Yeah, it was, it was awful. It was it was it wasn't. I mean, it left me stranded on the interstate a couple times. That's how frustrating it was. <laughs> they always do, man. They always do. But I tell you this, I went and looked at a Gladiator the other day, and I was just like, I'm almost sold. <laughs> because they are disgusting in stock form yep but man you put a little lift and like some 40s on it and i absolutely love them yeah you're exactly right but that's such a that's such a niche market to me with the gladiator though like if i'm gonna go get a jeep i want the enclosed back like i want the four-seater if i want a bed like i'm gonna get in my f-250 f-350 and i'm gonna use that instead you know what i mean yeah absolutely like absolutely. to me a jeep is always the enclosed back that you could throw stuff in the in the rear of if uh -huh. i want a truck bed i'm gonna drive i'm gonna drive a full-size truck so. now now see I'll, I'll play devil's advocate here for you because i'm the kind of guy who loved the fact that i could obviously take the doors and the top off and i had a solid mm -hmm. front axle um but being a side-by-side -side guy I would buy one if they could make a motor that I could confidently believe in would be able to tow, you know, two side by sides. That's pushing it. And and if they could, I know they're they're looking at their eco diesel and all the other options oh, yeah. they have. But oh, yeah. if, if they could get something that I knew I was like, you know, would have no issue towing with, sign me up. Don't care. I want it. I, I'll take it. The day they come out with the Eco Diesel in the uh, Jeep, I'll go buy a brand new one. And yeah. it's because, you know, I know some guys in the tuning industry and they're getting, you know, 400 horsepower and 600 foot pounds of torque out of those Eco Diesels. That's so nuts. A Jeep with 600 foot pounds of torque or whatever they're making, yeah, man. Yeah, I'll go buy a brand new Jeep the day they come out with the Eco Diesel. Man, that is nuts. So, <laughs> it, oof, that's exciting. Very, very exciting stuff there. But, uh, my bank account tells me no right now. <laughs> hey, finance it, dude. Don't worry about that. The bank will take care of that stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a that's a good idea. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so one more thing I wanted to ask you before we kind of wrap things up here is, uh, yeah. do you have any plans? Obviously, you have an X3, a fully built race car, ready to roll. Um, do you have any plans to race uh, that car in different organizations uh, this year? You know, I'm actually building a second car right now. Um, I've got a pile of parts sitting in my office to get ready to build a, uh, a second car to run in a couple of different race series. Some of them are going to be different styles of racing, but um, but yeah, the car that, that everybody sees me race is our desert car, but mm -hmm. a lot of people don't know. Last year, I won a short course championship over in Texas. Oh, that's um, awesome. I've won a cross-country championship a couple of years ago in, in woods racing. 
Um, and so, man, outside of what everybody sees, I consistently stay behind the wheel driving. And so I'm building a, a new X3 with some uh, some uh, top secret parts. that. Uh, That's what I like right there. <laughs> that'll, that'll go into this car. But, uh, but, yeah, man, like we always hit all kind of races. So we do short course and we do woods racing and all kind of racing uh, and obviously you know king of the hammers rock racing and that stuff so yes i do have a second car that's in the middle of getting built uh, yeah. right now uh, that i'll be racing a lot more stuff this year well i'll tell you this if you get the chance uh, i'm not a hundred percent sure if ultra four east coast is coming back to adventure off-road park um yeah. but pro rock racing uh is is the is the big endurance series around here uh, I even think they're doing the Ultra 4 Titan Series paired with the Southern Rock Racing Series again this year. Um, yep. If you can make any of those races, uh, let us know, all of us, all the listeners, and uh, we'll be out there, man. We, you would be a huge draw for any any one of those races that showed up. So, uh, well, we, I really appreciate that. And I'm building this car for, for possibly coming out there and racing. I know uh, it was a Southern Rock Race Series uh -huh. and stuff like that. They have some endurance racing. Um, yeah, yeah. If I could make if I could make a suggestion, uh, I know uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Jamie McCoy and John Arnold. Um, yes, they're Arnold very well. Yeah, yeah, good guys. Yeah, um, they run the Pro Rock series. Nathan Wolf, uh, also who who finished top Absolutely. five this year, uh, they uh, they run the Pro Rock series. And those guys, man, it, you know, definitely not a, not a race league where you're going to come out and just blow the brakes off everybody. You got a couple guys who are. Um, just yeah. super dominant all the time and uh, a lot of different terrains available within a short distance of each other so like I said anytime you can make it I would I would recommend that pro rock racing endurance series and just let us know because like I said we will show out and show up <laughs> I truly appreciate that man and for sure we want to hit some of those series we've talked about as a race team like a few of us are just now finishing new cars mm -hmm. just showing up at different events man Un unannounced like just uh you know some of these local events that people are hosting maybe mm -hmm. even go to the monster truck show down at the uh, yeah. local arena maybe just show up and just race for fun so racing has become such a such a high pressure thing for us right yeah. king of the hammers and best in the desert that and sometimes it's cool to just show up and and people see our trailer and they're like oh dang the dudes from s3 are here to race and yeah so, yeah. Um, that's what we're talking about doing this year. So, man, if anybody has some good suggestions of good, fun tracks, man, shoot them to me, dude. We, we, we're going to just be showing up different places this year and racing. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'll see if I can't get the, uh, the the guy who runs the show at Pro Rock to give you a shout and see if y'all can't uh, find a course that'll, that'll, that'll rustle your jimmies and get you out there. But, uh, yeah, man. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, man, uh, that's pretty much all I had. We kind of covered where you're going to be this year, what you got in the in the barrel. Um, is there anything else that you want to talk about we didn't get to? No, man, I think, I think we're good, dude. Obviously, everybody can keep up with us on the, the Visions of Victory video series, man, all of our Facebooks and Instagram for S3 Power Sports, S3 Racing, for uh, myself, Dustin, it's Dustin Battleaxe Jones on all of my uh, all of my social media stuff, and so... Um, not tough to find, but man, you can keep up with all of us there, dude. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, any, always dropping new stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, anybody you want to give a shout out to? Any sponsors? Anything like that? You need to say thanks or anything? Absolutely, man. Naturally, S3 Power Sports is the, the the reason that I'm able to do what I love, man. And, and God's blessed me for an amazing life. But S3 has afforded me the opportunity to to do this stuff, and so that Kenny, man, is is taking such great care of our race team and keeping 
kept us going in, in this industry for such a long time. And then naturally, Monster Energy, man, I got two sitting on my desk right now, double fisting both of them. So <laughs> yeah, buddy. <laughs> that and a plethora of other people that support our race program and are a part of all of our custom builds and all that. But, um, but yeah, at the end of the day, God's blessed me to do what I love, and I'm thankful for that. Well, good, man. And uh, like I said, the Lord's been so good to us all. Uh, every single one of us is just lucky to be doing what we're doing, man. So uh, thank you for taking the time to, to get on board with us. Uh, this is going to be hugely popular, I can already tell you. Um, and, uh, man, I, I can't wait to see what you guys do next. I can't wait to see where you guys show up. And uh, we'll be looking forward to it, and we'll be keeping our eyes peeled. Man, I truly, truly appreciate the opportunity to come on here, man. So thank you a lot for asking me. Yes, sir. Have a good evening, okay? Hey everybody, thanks for listening to the show. I do want to go over Super Grip ATV one more time, but before that, if you enjoyed the show, leave us a five-star review wherever you're listening. It really helps us and it really goes a long way. Uh, Super Grip ATV doesn't just offer the K9 tire. Uh, they offer an amp tire. An amp, uh, I'm assuming that everyone is pretty familiar with the K9 by now, but I'm actually going to go over it. The Super Grip K9 is a rugged, all-terrain ATV UTV tire designed to get you through the most extreme terrains. The K9 features an 8-ply rated radial construction with great rubber compounds for your on-road and off-road adventures. One question I've been getting on Facebook a lot is how do they wear on the road? Guys, I'm not sure, and I'll find out if I can tell you what they were getting out of their R&D tires, but I mean, it was in the ballpark of, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of miles out of these tires, um, longer than any tires I've ever ran, for sure, on my any of my machines. Uh, if you're looking for the ultimate control, on-road or off-road, you need to not look further. The K9 tire is it. You know what's really cool is they actually offer a Kevlar uh, sidewall on there. Kevlar is obviously a synthetic fiber that's about five times stronger than steel. Kevlar is used in the tires in one of two ways. Um, as a replacement for the steel coils that form uh, the tire's edge, known as the beads. Um, but also, it actually goes into the... Uh, let me make sure I'm reading this here. Uh, da, 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 da. But it is a, uh internal fabric that internal fabric casing that forms the tire structure. When the beads are made of Kevlar, the tires are lighter and the tire can be folded up easily, something that can't be done with a regular tire, and it is super strong, y'all, super strong. I've run Kevlar tires before, and they're absolutely nuts how strong they are. Um, super good tire, one-inch tread depth, eight-ply rating, comes in a 27, a 30, a 32, and the elusive 35. That tire is going to be awesome. Uh, the K9 will eventually be coming out in three different compounds. Spoiler, I don't know if I'm supposed to say that, but here it is. Uh, it's going to be coming out on a standard, uh, a soft and a softer. They're going to have uh, two different names for the soft tires, but that's essentially what we're getting at. I'll find, I'll iron out the details there. Another tire that they offer, which I think is a big hit, is the uh, Shredder tire. It's an extreme mud tire designed for maximum traction in the mud in an amazingly smooth ride. The two-tiered tread pattern, shoulder treads, and massive tread lugs provide excellent traction and clean out in even the muddiest conditions. Deep wrapping tread bars hook up on one side while dispersing the mud from the center channel. That's the shredder. The sizes that shredder comes in, whoa, it's a lot. They have a 25, uh, two versions of the, wow, a bunch of different versions of the 25 in different uh, widths, a 26, a 27, and a 28, all in different widths. 
and some with a liner option. Uh, guys, tons of different things. Supergrip also offers an entire line of wheels right now. Now they're non-beadlock wheels, they're alloy though. They do sell a 12 inch wheel and they sell a 14 inch wheel which are super stylish. Um, one more tire worth mentioning is their amp tire. The amp is a non-directional tire pattern. I'm sorry, excuse me, tread pattern that makes it great on almost every type of terrain. It's kind of like a big horn, but not exactly the same. Sorry, super grip if I'm not supposed to say that. But uh, for your, you know, just so you guys have a mental picture, that's what the amp tire is. It comes in uh, the ATV sizes, a 24, 25, 26, 27, and a 29 for the 11, 12, and 14 inch size rims. Super cool, you can run a 27 and a 14 inch rim. Whoa, big boys. And a variety of widths there. But glad to have Super Grip on board. Super Grip is gonna do some awesome things in the future and I'm glad that they have hitched their wagon to Racing on the Rocks. Uh, another sponsor is Infinite Off-Road. Infinite Off-Road offers a 25-year you-break-it-they-fix-it warranty even covering accidental damage on all of the following products. Light bars, light pods, wheel rings, whips, uh, rock lights, for example, super bright rock lights. And by the way, they're running a crazy special on uh, their 4-watt rock lights. I think that's what it is. Um, check that out this week. I'm not sure how long that's actually going to last. Uh, they offer all listeners of the show a 10% off coupon. Code word ROCKS, R-O-C-K-S, will get you what you need and get you out the door 10% cheaper. Another sponsor we have is We Buy Rides. We Buy Rides is a car dealership where you can go and confidently get the best offer for your vehicle. Um, highly recommend doing business with these guys. The customer service that I've had with them has been pretty much unmatched. Uh, there was a almost no questions negotiation between us. I knew that I was getting a really good deal. They, you know, it was no hassle. Uh, I'm confident that you guys will run into the same uh, encounter with them. They're awesome to deal with, great people, and they'll even uh, get the specific car that you're looking for, a 4x4 diesel and Highline vehicle specifically is their specialty. They move a ton of cars through the lot, and I'm super happy to be doing business with those guys. That's WeBuyRidesWithAZ.com and WeBuyRides on Facebook. Last but not least, All Things UTV is our final sponsor. Everything else that the two companies, or three companies, uh, don't sell, All Things UTV picks up the slack. Uh, All Things UTV will become a Supergrip ATV dealer, um, so you can expect to get the K9 and other tire options through All Things UTV. But not only that, but they have awesome tender spring upgrade kits. They have performance clutching axles, uh, wheels, tires, everything you can think of. They've got it. All Things UTV really uh, is your one-stop shop. And like I said, with my experience with them, almost overnight shipping. I mean, I, I don't know what overnight shipping exactly entails, but ordered it Thursday, showed up my house on Friday, uh, and just got the last of the batch that came directly from System 3. I had tracking numbers, the whole nine yards. Everything was awesome. So All Things UTV on Facebook and Instagram and allthingsutv.com. All right, everybody, make sure you subscribe. Make sure you review the post, uh, review the podcast. Give us some love, and I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. Thanks.